So most people, I believe, end up missing miracles in their life. And the reason I think that is is because most people end up giving up before Jesus shows up and shows off in their life. See, the, the places where we need miracles in our life are usually difficult places. They're unpleasant places. They're places where we don't want to stay and stick it out. And so I think a lot of times we miss miracles in our lives because we give up too soon. We quit too early. We give up right before Jesus shows up and shows off. I tend to be a very impatient person. When I was a kid, my grandparents would get me these little capsules. Maybe some of you will remember this. Um, but there were these little capsules, and you dropped them in water, and they would dissolve, and they would become like a dinosaur, or they would become an animal. And these, I love these things. And my grandparents would get me one, and they're like, okay, it has to sit in the water for 15 minutes. And they'd drop it into the water, and I'd be like, I want a dinosaur. And I'd have my hand like down the glass, and I'd pull it out, and I'm like, it's a capsule. And they're like, you have to leave it in the water, you know? And so they'd put it back in the water, and I'd sit there for about three seconds, you know? And I'd have my hand back down in the glass. And so I had all these deformed capsules that didn't really look like animals. Some of them would have, like, the head of a dinosaur and be, the rest would be a capsule. Some were just capsules. And they were like, if you would just wait and leave it in the water, you'd see it miraculously transform into something. But I was always too impatient. I'd take it out of the water. We do that exact same thing in our spiritual life. We give up. And we pull ourselves out of a difficult situation, whether because we're impatient or because it's unpleasant, and we end up missing the miracle. Over the last few weeks, we've been talking about how to position ourselves to see miracles, because we don't do miracles. Miracles are what Jesus does. Miracles are when Jesus supernaturally shows up and shows off in our life. But I think we can put ourselves in places where we're more likely to see him at work. And we talked about in the first week that we need to be obedient because obedience puts us on the front lines of the spiritual work that Jesus is doing to see him work. And so we have a better chance of seeing a miracle. And last week, our guest speaker reminded us that we need to have the right vision. We need to train ourselves to see everyday miracles so we can recognize where Jesus is working and position ourselves. But today we're going to talk about how faithfulness, staying and uh, sticking it out in the times when you want to quit are essential to see a miracle. As I was prepared for this, I thought about the nation of Israel, the Jewish people who had escaped out of slavery in Egypt and were running from this Egyptian army that was after them. And they were running through wilderness and they were, were running towards a dead end of a sea and they could have given up and just gone back to slavery in Egypt. That would have been the easy thing to do. They were probably tired of running. Can you imagine running with your kids and with old people and with people who are disabled or injured and you're tired and you're hungry and you're being led by this guy who came in and rescued you but didn't really have any plan about where you're going and you're just running towards a dead-end sea with an army behind you. The simple answer, the easy thing to do would have been to give up and say, let's just go back to slavery in Egypt. It's easier. But if they'd done that, they would have missed the miracle of the Red Sea parting. And I think a lot of us in our lives, we find ourselves in that spiritual position where we're running and we're tired and there seems like there's an army behind us and we think there's nothing ahead of us except a roadblock. It's easier just to give up. And many times I think we miss a miracle because we give up too soon, right before God's about to do something miraculous. And so we're looking at these sign miracles in the book of John. And the third sign miracle is the healing of this disabled man in John chapter 5. We're going to read verses 1 through 9. It says in John 5, starting verse 1, After this, a Jewish festival took place, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. By the sheep gate in Jerusalem, there is a pole called Bethesda, 
in Aramaic, which has five colonnades, and within these lay a large number of the disabled, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man who had been disabled for 38 years was there. And when Jesus saw him lying there and realized that he had already been there a long time, he said to the man, do you want to get well? That seems like such a funny answer. We'll unpack that a little, or that, such a funny question. We'll unpack that. He says, sir, the disabled man answered, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, someone else goes down ahead of me. Get up, Jesus told him, pick up your mat and walk. And instantly the man got well. He picked up his mat and started to walk. And now that day happened to be the Sabbath. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. And thank you for this story to remind us to be faithful people. God, help us not to give up before you show up. And God, I pray that today we'll be encouraged, we'll be challenged, and we won't give up, but we'll get up. And I pray this all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So the first thing I've got to talk about here is, when I was reading that, if you were reading along in your Bibles, some of you probably had verse 4, and some of you didn't have verse 4 in your Bible. And you're like, oh man, my Bible just totally forgot to print verse 4. It goes from 3 to 5. What happened? Depending on what translation you're using, some translations have left out verse 4. You're like, what? What is going on? Why is that the case? So if you go back to the original manuscripts, we have thousands of manuscripts of the New Testament, especially the book of John. Some of the manuscripts include verse 4 and some don't. And so you'll see some translations will go right from verse 3 to verse 5. That's what my Bible does here. And uh, what does verse 4 say? What's going on there? It explains that why people gathered at this pool was that an angel had come down one time and stirred up the waters, and the first person who got into that pool was healed of their sickness. And that's why all these disabled people showed up at this place. And so you say, so Alex, should verse 4 be in the Bible? Maybe. It was included in a lot of early manuscripts, but not all of them. I think in context, it certainly helps us understand why so many people showed up there, because they heard this story. It certainly fits into what's happening. And you might say, well, Alex, do you really believe that an angel came down and stirred up that water and somebody was healed there? Why not? I mean, there's other miracles in the Bible. There's other miraculous things that have happened. In fact, I think impossible things happen in our world every day. One of my best friends down in Tennessee, his name is Dustin, and he runs, he started a blog for weird and unusual things. This just sums up Dustin in a nutshell. He loves weird and unusual things. But he started going around and just collecting news stories, people's eyewitness accounts of just weird things that happen. You'll find somebody on the news who's like the news crew is like, we caught this weird streak in the sky. He puts it up on his blog. He heard about the, uh, the wolves in Chernobyl in Russia where there was a nuclear power plant failure. They have grown monstrous because of the nuclear radiation living in this area. Now they're radioactive wolves. He put that up on his blog. He was like, hey, have you heard about these wolves? You know, so he sends me these articles all the time. He's like, did you hear about the police arrested this guy? And then they went into the interrogation room and he's gone. You know, he's fascinated by this stuff. And so I don't think it's so unthinkable to think that something impossible happened, like the waters were stirred up and somebody went down and they were healed. And the story of this got out. And so you see that this area was crowded with disabled people, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. I think one of the things we need to do if we want to see a miracle is show up in the places where we've seen God do miracles before. I mean, that makes sense, right? If God's worked in an area before, show up there and see if you can see him work again. And that's what these people were doing. They were like, hey, God has done something. God has shown up and shown off here before. Let's go there and see if something like that will happen for us. 
for me, one of my things when I, I thought about church planting, I was like, so has God ever shown up in a church plant before? Has anyone ever made it? You know, has anyone ever seen God work? And as I heard people's stories, it encouraged me, hey, this is something that I could try. This is something that I can do because God's shown up and shown off here before. If you're like, hey, I really want to try this casino venture where I'm going to take some money and put it on and maybe God will show up and show up. I don't know. I haven't heard a whole lot of stories about Jesus showing up like that, maybe. But, you know, think about places where you've seen in the Bible or you've heard credible accounts of Jesus showing up and showing off and say, hey, how can I get involved in those areas? How can I be a, about those things that Jesus has done in the past? But there's something we have to caution ourselves here with because Jesus never sends the same wave twice. C.S. Lewis said that. That every wave is unique because God is a creator. He's not a repeater. And I think sometimes we hear about some place where God has shown up and shown off in a powerful way. And we think, I'm going to go and I'm going to try to follow the exact same pattern that they did so I get the exact same result. And we think that God's like a big mathematician. And if we just put in the right equation, then he'll give us the right result. But God doesn't work like that. He's not a God who's going to do things the exact same way. He never sends the same wave twice. He doesn't do the same miracle twice. In fact, Jesus here in verse 6, he, he's looking at this guy who's been laying here, and he realized he's been here a long time. He's been here for 38 years. He's been faithfully showing up day in and day out for 38 years. Now, if it was me, I probably wouldn't have lasted that long. You know, can you imagine if at 37 years, he was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm not showing up anymore. But he faithfully showed up. If he hadn't made it to 38, he never would have encountered Jesus. He never would have seen his miracle. But he was thinking that the miracle would come in the same way that he had seen it happen in the past when he was missing the God who was showing up right in front of him. See, when I uh, went to start church planting, you know, I started listening to other people's stories in Philadelphia who started churches. And I thought, man, it could happen just like that. It could happen just like that. And maybe in the area you're thinking, you're thinking of someone else who has had a miracle in their life or in their situation. And you think it could happen for me just like that. I've never seen or heard about God doing the same miracle in the same way twice. Because he doesn't have to. He's way too creative for that. But I think sometimes what we do is we get busy chasing someone else's miracle instead of chasing the God of miracles who's right in front of us. And here was a guy who had God himself standing in front of him. And what he starts talking about is, if I just had some way to get down into this pool, that's my real problem. If I could just get down into this pool, then I could be healed. Don't chase someone else's miracle. Chase the God of miracles and let him do something original with you. And you see what the man says here to Jesus. Jesus asks, do you want to get well? Obviously the man wants to get well, right? That's the reason that he showed up. But what Jesus was saying is, how do you want to get well? Does the miracle have to be on your terms or will you accept the miracle on my terms? See, the guy couldn't see beyond the parameters of getting down into the water. Right? That's the only way he could see the miracle happening. And what Jesus is saying is, are you willing to envision the miracle happening in a different way than what you thought? See, sometimes we're praying for a miracle to God, but we're like, God, you better do it like this. It better fit inside of this box. This is how I understand that you work. And if you don't work like this, that weirds me out. Or if you don't work like this, I'm not happy with it. Or if you don't work like this, it'll make me uncomfortable. When Jesus does a miracle, when we invite him to show up and show off in our life, we can't set these parameters and these boxes on it. Because God's always going to blow the 
the boundaries that we set on him out of the water. He's never going to do things exactly like we think he is, or it's never going to fit inside to, of our small, narrow perception of how he might work. And so essentially what he's asking the man is when he says, do you want to get well? He's like, do you want to get well? Or do you want to be one of the people who can point to the water and say, for 38 years I sat here, I finally got down in the water, and now I'm well. Is it about the story, or is it about the experience, or is it about the fact that you really want to get well? And I think sometimes we want miracles for the wrong reason. We don't want to see God necessarily glorified and good to advance in the world. We just want to have a cool experience or something to Instagram about or something to tell our friends. Did you see that? I was there. I was a part of that. And so Jesus says, do you really want to get well? And the guy explains to him, he's like, look, the only way I can understand getting well is if I get down into the water. And so Jesus says to him, get up. I love this. This command, it's the one thing the guy can't do, right? He's disabled. He's paralyzed. The one thing he can't do is get up unless Jesus empowers him to get up. I think a lot of times we reach a point, maybe we're 38 years into waiting for a miracle, and we think, I just want to give up. And what Jesus says to us is the same thing he said to this man. Don't give up. Get up. Don't give up. Get up. I was reading an interesting article about the, the, the deciding factors between a successful entrepreneur and a failed entrepreneur. And they looked at IQ, they looked at education, they looked at money and backing and the, you know, the support system and the training. And they said, really, the only deciding factor between a successful entrepreneur and a failed entrepreneur is the successful one refused to admit when they failed and they just kept getting up and they just kept trying and going until they were successful. They said the only thing that really separated failure from success was the tenacity to not give up. And I think a lot of us end up giving up on our miracle. We think, you know, I've been waiting 37 years. I've been laying by this pool, nothing's happened. I'm just gonna stay home today. Think about this, this man had been disabled for at least 38 years. He'd been coming to this pool for 38 years. Jesus at this time is only 30 years old. So eight years into being disabled, God sends Jesus into the world to do many things, but including one of those things is to contact this man. This man didn't even know that God had begun to take steps to heal him 30 years earlier. And he had been waiting and waiting and waiting, and the whole time Jesus is on his way here to have an encounter with this man and bring the miracle that he faithfully waited for. So don't give up, get up. And you'll notice here that at the end of the passage, they make this mention about it being the Sabbath. And then in the next couple of verses, Jesus begins to enter into this, uh, this wrestling match, essentially, with the religious leaders of the time. And you say, Alex, what's the big deal about the Sabbath? And this is the reason that John included this story here. He wants to, as he includes these sign miracles, he wants to convince us. The whole book of John is about John convincing us that Jesus is God. And one of those ways that he's convincing us is by saying that Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath, that he's not controlled by it, but he actually controls it. And you say, what is the Sabbath? It was this day that God gave to the Jewish people as a day of rest. God said, you know what? If you work for seven days all the time, you're going to work, wear yourself out. You should have a day of rest. And like all commands from God, God gave it to us not to be burdensome, not to be cruel, not to be difficult, not to be mean. He gave it to us to be an encouragement, to be uh, good for us. 
But what does naturally religion usually do when God gives a command? We find a way to make it worse than what it actually was. And so the religious leaders in Jesus' day said, God said to rest on the Sabbath day. But you know what? That really didn't go far enough. So let's take it a couple steps farther. And then within a couple years, they took it a couple steps farther beyond that. And within a couple years, they took it even farther than that. So originally, when God said rest, he would be... Uh, one of his commands was, don't go out and work in your fields. You need a day to rest. And so they took it. They said, okay, if you can't plow your field and you can't harvest from your field, you can also cannot, this is the extreme it got to, you cannot pull a gray hair on the Sabbath because that is plucking. Just like if you were plucking wheat, you're plucking a gray hair. You cannot do that on the Sabbath. That is work. They got that extreme with it where they were constantly watching over everybody's shoulder and they're like, you're breaking the Sabbath. You're breaking the Sabbath. And they weren't breaking God's laws. They were breaking all these extra laws that they added on. And so Jesus purposefully chooses to encounter this man on the Sabbath so that he can remind them, hey, I'm Lord of the Sabbath. And healing is not work. Healing is a blessing. And I'm setting this up as an opportunity to tell you that I made this day and I'm master of it. But you know, in our world today, there's still religious people who are piling on rules and rules and rules on top of us, right? And many times, if I just talk to somebody on the street, they'll tell me, uh, they'll ask me, you know, Alex, how do you be right with God? I remember we were working out in the community and we were putting some pea gravel along Lancaster Avenue in the tree beds. And this lady came out of a shop and she started talking to me. She says, are you doing this so that you can get to heaven? And I said, no. I said, how will be putting pea gravel in a tree bed get me to heaven? She's like, we well, have to do good things, right? To make God happy with you so he'll take you to heaven. And I think religion a lot of times tells us if you avoid bad things and you do good things, God will be happy with you and you'll go to heaven. But that's not the message of Jesus at all. The message of Jesus is, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Jesus said, I've done everything that you couldn't do on the cross. I paid the penalty for the worst things that you've done. I've lived a perfect life. Come and be my follower and I'll give it all to you for free. Religion says we've got to earn God's favor, and Jesus says, I've already given you God's favor if you just reach out and take it. If you've never done that, you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, you can do that now. You can pray right now in your heart and say, Jesus, I want to be your follower. I can't be good enough on my own. The Apostle Paul, later in the New Testament, he says the law was given, these rules were given to us so that we knew how much we needed Jesus. God knew we couldn't keep it all. We knew we couldn't do it all perfectly. He gave it to us so that we would recognize how much we need Jesus. So as we come to the end and we think about how to see miracles in our lives, faithfulness is key to positioning yourself to see a miracle. Get up. Get up. Don't give up. And don't just get up. Here's what I do sometimes when I'm like, I want to quit. I'm just tired of working. I'm tired of waiting. Whatever. I get up and I go through the motions, but I don't give my emotional 100%. So don't just get up, get up and give 100%. Keep waiting, the miracle is coming. And then stay faithful, work while you wait. I think sometimes there's two extremes to waiting for a miracle. There's some people who are like, well, if I'm gonna wait for God to show up, I'm just not gonna do anything. I don't think that's a biblical example. You know, this guy could have just stayed in his house and said, if God wants to heal me, he'll show up here. But instead, he kept going day after day and showing up at this place where he had seen God do miracles in the past. 
So keep working, keep doing what you can while you wait for Jesus to do what only he can. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much again for your word. Thank you for this challenge to my heart to not give up, but to get up. And Lord, I pray that you will help us to be faithful people waiting for you to show up and show up in our lives. Lord, help us to be faithful. Help us not to just be about waiting to get something from you, but Lord, make us people who are interested in knowing you better. And that's why we keep serving and we keep waiting and we keep getting up and not giving up. And I pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ.